Welcome to No Clip. I'm Chad Rellerman. I'm JJ Artemis. And I'm Andy Cannon. And today we're going to be talking about Shadow of the Colossus. Uh, this is an action-adventure game that was developed by Team Ico and published by Sony Computer Entertainment, just Computer Entertainment, yes. in 2005 on the PlayStation 2. Shadow of the Colossus is moderately interesting for being one of the earliest games that was like frequently used as an example in the like games as art debate, uh, along with its predecessor Ico, for being a game that was very steeped in its own atmosphere and like focused primarily on sort of putting you in a mindset rather than like providing intriguing gameplay. Not that it fails on that front, but it's something that it's sort of looked up to as supporting. Yeah. Melds well. Yes. Yeah. Most importantly, it was the first that got significant notoriety because I would certainly, if you go back to Ico, in a lot of ways, in a lot of ways, Ico seems more like an art game than Shadow of the Colossus does. But you have to actually have a lot of individuals play and enjoy your game and then talk about it in other community forums before uh, you can really become part of the debate. I don't think Ico ever really reached that status outside of like game developer circles when it was released. Right. Well, Ico also, when it was released, uh, wasn't very heavily promoted. Like, Shadow of the Colossus like, built on what Ico started. Like, Ico gave the team itself sort of an air of legitimacy that they didn't have on their first release and the marketing of it was a little bit more aggressive. Interestingly though, it came at like the very end of the PlayStation 2's lifespan, so where a lot of people were pushing sort of next gen hardware and software and Shadow said basically it was just like the last PS2 game ever. Right. Yeah, it's the last one they ever made. <laughs> I'm pretty sure they made PS2 games well into the yeah, oh, PlayStation yeah. 3. Like the last PS2 game was, in actuality, probably like a, a titled sports game release. Mm -hmm. Madden 20, probably 14 or 15 or something. <sighs> that's that's scary to think about. <laughs> it's true, though. Yeah. I don't know. It's because you get caught up in these sort of discussions a lot when we're talking about the atmosphere, which is one of the reasons I assume that we started on sort of talking about that. But... I'm trying to think of mechanically how ways in which Shadow of the Colossus attempts to forward its themes. Because it seems less clear in that regard. The actual things that you do. You get on your horse, you ride around. Almost all of the mechanics are like movement and like grappling based, right? Well, yeah, because combat's such a minimal part of the game. In fact, you could argue that combat isn't a part of the game. Like, you have a sword and a bow as equipment, but you aren't, like, roaming the overworld, like, slaying bacoblins or something. Like, right. <laughs> it's, yeah, it's very, uh, it's, it's very similar to, like, a platformer in a way. Yeah, like a puzzle platformer. Right. Almost. Yeah, when you're, it, like, off of your horse just walking around, you can press the attack button to just sort of like the neutral slash standard to all video games with swords. But in order to complete the game, how many times do you ever have to use that? Like Z once on your head? Zero. Oh, yeah, you do. Yeah. I forgot that you even had to use it once. Yeah. Yeah, just that one time. Yeah. Uh, you could probably just shoot it with arrows instead. 
and not use it at all. <laughs> I think I never tried that. I guess. Yeah. But that's uh, not that's one of the more interesting parts about the game is how like fluid the mechanics actually are. Like because you have the sword and the bow, and then all of your other like actual abilities, with the exception of like jump and grab are more or less, like, optional. They're there for, like, convenience and, I guess, creativity. Right. Uh, like, I went through the entire game and didn't know until yesterday that there is a jump stab where you can jump into the air and then press the attack button to, like, come down. Well, that's different than even the mechanic being optional. Stronger than that, a lot of the mechanics in this game aren't even, like, explicit. Like, we all played the game separately and then came back talking about different things we figured out we could do despite going through pretty much like the same content. I mean, it, like you said, it's a puzzle platformer. So there's a very sort of strict order and sequence in which you have to do things in order to complete the whole game. But we still had all of these like varied methods and like equipment sets that made little things more or less convenient, mostly, uh, the Y example, uh, here's just the jump stab, uh, holding down X on the horse to keep running, and the fact that if you don't try and control the horse actively, it automatically it moves going. for yeah. you. Mm. Yeah, it doesn't path, like, to your overall destination or anything, but yeah. Right. It'll avoid obstacles if it gets near them and yeah, things of that nature, or it'll stop if it comes to a wall, right. things of that nature. Which, yeah, well, I did play through, like, the whole game and didn't know you could swim underwater until two minutes. <laughs> yeah, I was like, you just hit the crouch button in the water and you swim under it. Yeah, there's one part of the game that's, like, intended to teach you to do that, and it's this one area that just has, like, an archway that's mostly submerged, but I actually just watched JJ do that by just jumping out of the water and then and using submerging. the momentum to go underneath of it and basically get trapped under it and then just swam forward at the surface. So, yeah. I think that's kind of how I did it the first time yeah. as well. If you bypass that, you basically just wouldn't know that it was even a mechanic because it's yep. never explained. And that's certainly a legacy that I've had for my co is that even though Shadow of the Colossus has all of these different like mechanical inputs in different contexts it just almost nothing to tell you about them you have to sort of find them on your own i go in particular wouldn't even they were so stringent on it at the time that it wouldn't even say like what the interact button was for you to be able to pull leathers levers and stuff you just had to keep trying different buttons on your controller until you figured out which one actually did that yeah if somebody described a game to you where the object was to scale and stab to death like multi-story tall behemoths the first word to come to their head would probably not be minimalism but it's right. there both in like the aesthetic design as well as the mechanics uh probably the only exception to that is the fact that you have a displayed like health and stamina meter yeah yeah and notice how quick the game is to get that out of your way yeah when you're not in battle it goes away when even if you don't pops up when you are in a fight even if you like don't take damage for a while or something in those fights it'll also vanish only if there's like a change in one of the meters is it ever actually displayed there's no point where you just have sort of like a static meter sitting there doing nothing right hmm if we're talking strictly, like, base mechanics right now, uh, 
the idea of this game is sort of, the game is sort of regarded as like an open world game. Yeah. But it's a game that doesn't really follow most of the like tropes associated with like that style of design. We actually there are collectibles in the world, but it's never explained to you. You used to find them. Yeah, we discovered and I played this game nine years ago and then replayed it again recently. And both of uh, both JJ and Andy have played it recently as well. Yeah. And we just found out upon the most recent playthrough that there are fruit in trees that when you eat them, it increases your health bar. So we all went through the game with minimum health. Uh, and if JJ hadn't told me about the lizards that uh, increase your stamina meter, I wouldn't have found that out either. Right. I probably would have had to play it like three times before I decided to like shoot at lizards with my bow. <laughs> right. Like just for fun. Yeah. <laughs> it's yeah, it is interesting because like those are why you would theoretically explore the overworld, but other than that, it doesn't give you any mechanical reason. You could want to explore the overworld just because it is rendered well and it's like it looks nice and they're like and I think because of like the the minimalism in the atmosphere, it kind of, and like the fact that it's called the Forbidden Lands, kind of makes you want to explore it. Right. Or at least it does for me. The game had a good way of often rewarding you for doing what in a lot of other games were just sort of like silly goof off tasks. The, the whole place is so desolate that almost any time you find something that's alive and moving. There's some way you can interact with it, even if it's sort of just like a gimmicky joke. Uh, with the lizards, you can harvest them for the tails. Uh, with you know the, the trees, you can look for fruit. And with most of the birds, you can attempt to grab onto their feet and hold them as they fly you around for a little bit until you fall, as hard as it is to do with the hawks. I don't know. It, because everything is so desolate, the game always gives you something to do when you find something alive. And I think that's interesting. Right. There are things in the world, like, comparative to other, like, open world games, there are very few things in the open world, but because there are so few, when you find them, it's immediately, like... Special. Yeah, like, it's an intriguing moment. You're like, oh. I kept trying to find something to do with the crabs, there were these little crabs running around, <laughs> around. I kept like trying to like jump on them or like roll into them or slash them or something. Because uh, as soon as I saw like a living thing, I was like, "Oh man, I wonder if I can." There's eat probably those crabs. something you can do. Like, you shoot it with an arrow yeah. and like pick it up. <laughs> you eat it. Anytime, like even though there's never anything on top of any of the shrines you can find in the overworld, like every time I found it, I'm like, "Oh, I gotta climb this." <laughs> I yeah. climb to the top of it and like get up on the top and look around. It's like. Anytime you find something, it feels, like, special. Right. Yeah, like, if I was playing a game like a Far Cry or, like, a Grand Theft Auto or something, and because the games you really want to compare are Shadow of the Colossus and, and GTA. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but if I was playing one of those games, and I found, like, a like a, an area, like, an unusual area, and there was nothing there, I would feel, like, disappointed in this game, it just seems like par for the course, and it ends up being 
just as like rewarding as going to another location and not finding anything. Yeah. I think the strength really for me or what I like most about it, I should say, is that the minimalism uh, really plays uh, into this in a big way because you find like rent like ruins everywhere like you don't know if people lived here before or like what the it's just the whole place is surrounded in mystery so like anytime you find something it feels like oh is there like a story here is there a reason for this right like what is all this stuff and it's never answered so your imagination just gets to play with it the one time the game gives you just straight up exposition it's pretty far from clear like, right oh, at the yeah. beginning with the mask sequence. I can't even, even remember all, like, the flowery language that was originally used in that to, the, like, describe the nature of the Forbidden Lands, but I don't remember it going much deeper than place is forbidden. Yeah, people don't to go here. Far. Even though there's <laughs> a nice bridge to access it easily. Right. Yeah. That's, but, yeah, what's kind of, like, <clears throat> the thing that was unexpected, like, when I replayed this, because it had been so long, is that... I remembered that the game, like, storytelling felt vague. The, well, not the storytelling. The storytelling itself is actually quite, like, straightforward. Like, yeah, right. You're given a task to eliminate the 16 Colossi. You do it. And then, as it turns out, what you ask for actually happens. You just happen to also be turned into a baby <laughs> right <laughs> and e dorman even warns you about that before you start yeah this is like the price it'll come at a great cost yeah a great cost but uh i remember it being vague but replaying the game it doesn't come off as like pretentious it's just intentionally vague in a way that it didn't need to go into any more specifics in order for you to get what you needed to from it there's no explanation at any point uh, why the colossi that you're fighting appear to be like made of discarded building parts or some like right. partial equivalent to that at yeah time. like if they were built yeah <laughs> but i don't think this is <laughs> they're like constructs of some kind or... it seems like i mean i guess they are sort of composed of like rock I mean, like some like more built than others yeah. yeah but i mean they all have like organic qualities yep. too like they have the fur and presumably some form of innards leathery skin right. like, yeah catches like, one thing i was thinking as i was playing it the first time and then i was as i was watching you i realized that this doesn't make much sense at all mm -hmm. but like the way i was thinking of it the first time i played it was like what if like the colossi themselves are each a person that tried to do the same thing as you're doing before mm. and like they failed and now they're like cursed to like be a part of dormant or whatever right but upon replaying it again i don't think that's the case right yeah it would be but like yeah that's one thing i was thinking about as i was playing it like they seem like there's like more to them that yeah like they're like cursed in some way or something yeah with, with the at the risk of potentially getting kind of into the weeds it does like the way that the game plays out the Colossi, like, each seem to contain, like, a portion of Dorman, like, a part of, like, his overall like, being. explicitly stated. Right. Yeah. And there, and it's also stated that, like, it was, uh, there, there is a character name for the, like, priest guy who shows up at the end, but I, uh, don't, yeah, I, don't, I don't recall it. Yeah, there's names for everything, but I yeah. believe they're from some other source that never stated within the main yeah. game. We'll just right. call him the priest. The yeah. priest. Uh, and it seems like the priest, or, like, an ancestor of the priest or like a collection of them are the ones who actually like sealed him away yeah like did that mm -hmm. and so it seems 
bizarre that they would choose to steal them away and like huge destructive like animals well it may a be, mix like, between destructive and non-destructive maybe but, that's yeah. just the ancient black magic they used that's yeah well, seal them away the specific black magic hadn't advanced to the point where they could make like peaceful rose gardens like before they did that the it was people lived there like it wasn't a forbidden land until they sealed dormant away there I don't know. I don't. I think they have the information. But yeah. to correct one of the earlier statements, it's the statues are the sealy thing, and the colossi are like stated to be like not embodiments of, but like some other silly metaphorical thing. They're right. Like, they're like embodiments of these statues. That when you go out and you kill the, the statues, will die and the seal will be free. I don't. I don't know. Side note on sort of the plot things related to the doorman. I find his role rather interesting in that he's set up far more explicitly at the end of the game than the beginning to be some kind of like horrible, dark, evil force that needed to be resisted by right. like, light magic and things like that. But he, I don't know, he didn't do anything, I, I guess, other than arguably when you're trying to fight the priest at the very, very last moment of the game that was explicitly evil. And he, As Andy said, he does warn you uh, that... Like the costs of like freeing me may be like steep indeed or something right, like that. Yeah. But I think that he means in that situation personal cost because Wander is effectively obliterated. Yes. At yeah. the at that point. Furthermore, like, he actually did bring the maiden the promise, back to life. Yeah. yeah. There's yeah, Momo. If he was <laughs> Momo, God. <laughs> uh, if he if as the priest claimed, the Wander was just being straight up manipulated the whole time. There is no reason that Dorman needed to do that. Right. Because, like, he... Oh, yeah, because at the Like, actually bring her back. Yeah. Right. But does he say he's being manipulated? I thought he told him he was being used. Yeah, what's the difference? Well, if he was being manipulated, I think that kind of implies that Dorman, like, all, like, tricked him into doing this. Right. Whereas, like, like he... he's being, being used. is just like, he's like, oh, I'll do this for you. Go do this task for me. Right. And, like, like I'll... Yeah, it's like, on you. You just brought me back to life. Yeah, Wonder showed up with the explicit intent of, of doing what he was going to do. Right. Oh, yeah. yeah. And then so he he was, they just gave him a condition for it, it yeah. basically. Yeah, this was all... I mean, Wonder was consenting to all of this. It wasn't like some kind of weird Batman mastermind plan. But even still, under the used narrative, there's no reason that this presumably dark, evil god had to keep his promise. Right. Additionally... I, I, I'm not convinced that he is evil. Right. And I would also like to point out that Dorman did not attack those people. You attacked those people. Mm. You were given complete control over him at the end, so if but you choose to, you can just sit there. Right, I think that you're controlling Dorman, though, and not it's, the Wander. Well, I, well, I mean, you're, like... I think there's an element of Wander to it, but the fact that the game gives you, like, control... control in that moment means that you can just choose, like, you can choose whether or not you judge them. those people as, like, worthy of being punched. Right, and if you want to... Also, you failed to do it, basically, right. inevitably. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, if you want to roleplay it as though you are Dorman, though, mm -hmm. like, I feel like he has a decent reason to attack them. Like, yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, he just went through all that to, like, come back to life. He's like, yeah. oh, he's gonna put me in a well now? Fuck that. <laughs> the thing that I think... It, it makes really you feel kind of bad for the Colossi. 
when you're like, I just want to, I just want to punch the guys. Yeah. <laughs> They're running around. It's so hard to hit them because you're so slow and like lumbering. That was yeah, and like that was the whole experience with the game. Yeah. Like you feel so intimidated by like the Roll big dude with the sword, but yeah. have you ever been hit by the sword? Yeah. No, you just get like kind of knocked around by the shockwave. Yeah. yeah. <sighs> He's the thing that makes me really believe that at the end, uh, you like as the dormant creature are still have like the wanderer is still have some kind of active role there. Uh, is after you showed me in the like the final cutscene sequence that. You can control like the cries and movements of the baby with controller imports, right? Uh, like a. It, given that, is there any moment at which, uh, you the thing you had active control over in the game wasn't like wanderer or some wanderer thing? Yeah, the only argument you could make in that situation is that you wouldn't have had control over him if Dorman had just completely taken over his personality, right? Yeah. But. And like, it was like Wonder was being used as a vessel. Yeah, so, and at like, the same time, you yeah. can't even control aggro. You're controlling Wonder or controlling like, aggro. That's yeah. really explicit. One of the really important things that I thought that makes the horse so cool. There is, uh, if, if you here we go. Indeed, <laughs> here we go. Horse cast. <laughs> 2015. <laughs> Throwdown. I have the complete opposite opinion to JJ. I'm going to say that at the beginning here. <laughs> the horse. The only like real inputs you have with the horse are dragging it with the reins and trying to force it to go various directions and if you look in the options menu the button that like calls the horse and whips him and all that is just like control horse that's all right. that it says x is control horse uh in the options menu uh it, it establishes the horse as this thing that's very separate from you like Again, particularly after I realized that the horse autopaths, which I never knew before, because mm. I'm playing a video game, and <laughs> vehicles, as I normally conceptualize most horses, don't automatically do anything. But in this game, allowing the horse to just do whatever the fuck it wants is generally a lot easier than trying to force it to do exactly what you want. Right. And that goes a long way to making the horse seem like a thing that's like less like a tool and more like a partner. I think that's a really, really smart and good decision on their part. Except for Andy, who thinks it's the worst decision oh. anyone's ever made in well, the history I, of mankind. That's <laughs> an overstatement. Yeah, I think you might go, well, you're landing on thick. My opinion on the matter is that's a cool concept, and like that's a neat approach, and they pulled it off. It's exactly how it works. Agro behaves like a real horse. Right. But... <laughs> that does it just because it's a cool concept and they implemented it well does not make it good. Uh, controlling the horse is or trying to get around on the horse can be incredibly frustrating. Yeah. Just getting on the horse can be incredibly frustrating. Uh, every time you come back to the temple after feeding a colossi, aggro comes up. Getting on aggro and trying to get out of the temple, you have to get him to back up. <laughs> this and like, he always like went out yeah, first. Always and then, and then call him. Yeah, I never yeah. even thought of it. <laughs> but whatever. That's, that's yeah, that. I, yeah, I agree to that point. Especially like um, certain points in the overworld have like those like land bridges, and because the like in the fiction explanation is that aggro being like a, an animal with self-preservation will not just leap off of a bridge for no reason. Right. But effectively, the in-game explanation is that they're just invisible walls on each side. Yeah. It's like, so you cannot fall off. Uh, 
but trying to, like, if you somehow, like, because they curve, like, if you hit, like, a side of it, it, like, trying to get aggro, aggro, moving, like, forward again. It's really difficult. It's like, yeah, it's like trying to steer your car if the drive shaft went straight into, like, a bucket full of butter. Yeah. Like, it's miserable. So, yeah, it, it works well when you're just riding through a big open field. Yeah, it's gorgeous. But, like, when you want to just, like, make a sharp turn, it can be, like, the most frustrating thing ever. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. That's explicitly, like, not even really possible with aggro. You can't do, like, sharp, precise movements. Unless you're in, like, a ravine, at which point aggro will do any kind of sharp, precise movements for you. Pointing right. out specifically all of the bosses that require you to use aggro are all big fields with like a few large like obstacles to avoid right. the cave just has a few like little stalactite stalagmite things uh the flying like sandworm creature uh there are just like two large plateaus yeah uh, there's a big rock in the center and i kept running into it <laughs> because i'm the worst <laughs> but uh but yeah those are two of the longest and most frustrating fights because you have to ride aggro <laughs> yeah depending on who you are some right. people can control aggro like it's fucking nothing yeah, i have never had any problem with uh the fight with the sandworm that's actually in the ground where you like shoot him in the eyes Right. Uh, the video game weak spot boss. Yeah. yeah. Well, they're all video game weak spot That's bosses. true, but he has, like, the explicit, like, glowing eyes. Yeah. <laughs> that you yeah. shoot with a ranged weapon. Yeah. Yeah, I had no problem with that, but I, I did, admittedly, even after having you know, previous playthroughs, memories of, like, really enjoying it, I had problems uh, on the big flying sand fight, grabbing onto the wings, uh, attempting to control aggro. Although, I'd argue that that's more to do with camera position like the third person camera making it hard to judge relative distances on two moving objects yeah but please remind me to come back to that all right but i think that they pulled aggro off thematically better than they did mechanically i'd agree with that because the idea of like the game being so isolating because the only living creatures are birds and lizards yeah and you and aggro it gives you like Aggro is, like, the one constant thing, like, living thing that you have, like, a connection with. Mm-hmm. And by the end of the game, when you actually do figure out how to control the damn thing, you feel more like you're working in tandem with it than you are, like, driving a car. Yes. Right. Which is good, even if it feels so bad. Yep. I just, I think the controls feel really counterintuitive, and the game would just be better if it had, like... <laughs> the way you would expect a control like on yeah, like, like the force control yeah like right. opona in uh legend of zelda or something well as stated previously not on the podcast i just hate riding horses in games oh, i right. just wish it was not a thing that you did so whatever like that's a personal bias right, so. like, i can't imagine somebody picking this game up and not like fighting against the controls for <laughs> aggro like for the over half holding the up to make well, a yeah. move yes. yeah that that is absolutely a I thing think, and a cost but i think that's aggro true. like opona i think that is it, bad would make aggro <laughs> just a, a method of transit like opona isn't like a humanized thing you can't interact with opona in any of the legend of zelda games beyond getting on it and riding around with it with i guess the exception of uh, a, a few of the times in the game when you first come to acquire Epona. Wasn't there, isn't it, like, at least one of the games you had to, like, feed it a carrot or something like that? Yeah. Yeah. I think in Twilight Princess you could feed it carrots. Mm. I can't, um, I don't remember. Yeah, I don't either. But I don't think you, you need those, 
mechanics to feel attached to aggro. I feel like that's not the only difference between aggro, aggro and opponent. Right. The, I, yeah, the way that the game, like, presents aggro to you as, like, the only thing you have a connection with and the fact that you couldn't have defeated two of the Colossi without her. Arguably or him, three, whatever. Oh, yeah, we didn't get into this. We were talking about it. Do you remember the, the turtle guy with oh, those yeah. wings? Oh, yeah. He remembers yeah, the turtle Yeah, I remember guy. the turtle. I was my least favorite <laughs> one. And, yeah, I never even thought for a second to ride aggro <laughs> to avoid the laser beams. <laughs> Which is exactly what you were supposed to do. Yep. Because I, I hate aggro <laughs> so i never even thought to ride aggro i always felt bad like riding aggro all the way to the colossi because i was always like if i'm fighting one of them and he's just running around i'm like oh god he's gonna get stomped to death right. i'm like go away <laughs> oh now you're go wait in the car yeah Oh wait, you are. I don't. I, I take <laughs> my wait. frustrations with the controls out on the character. I don't actually really hate aggro. Right. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but that brings me to what is probably my biggest gripe with the game, and that is in the controls, but specifically the camera controls, which I think are hot trash. <laughs> hot trash. <laughs> yeah. The game had... I don't know if you wanted to say anything else creative about aggro, because I'm about to dive into this. No, no. We pretty thoroughly espoused our two positions on that and right. put our lines in the sand. So, <laughs> here, open a new front. That's good. Because uh, you brought up, like, trying to fight the sandworm boss. Yeah. Shooting him in the eye with the bow while looking directly at him and moving in the third-person camera, making it hard to, like, avoid stalagmites in the ground. Yeah. The third-person camera makes it impossible to do anything when you're not actively on a Colossus. It's, like, when you're riding uh, aggro through, like, an open field, yeah. the camera pans, like, down and yeah. to put you sort of off in the corner so to you give can... you, like, a view of the vista. Yeah. And I'm fine with that. A-okay. But it has that, like, view, like, literal view-finding... <laughs> tendencies at all times so i'm the kind of person who wants to constantly be adjusting the camera to give myself like the optimal view on a situation mm -hmm. and the game doesn't allow you to do that you'll like turn the camera and it'll shift to where i want it to be and then after a few seconds it'll be like eh, <laughs> just slide back <laughs> which was just constantly frustrating and it gives you, like, a, a lock-on, sort of. If you hold L1, yeah. the camera will focus on the Colossus. But the unintended side effect, or maybe the intended side effect... Definitely that, intended. The intended side effect is that it puts the camera basically, like, right at your feet. So it gives you, like, this oh, like this awe-inspiring sense of scale and this awe-inspiring inability to <laughs> see where you're going. Yep. Yeah. Another game with the lock-on system would be... would have a functional use, like in... I don't know, Kingdom Hearts, because it's the go-to example or something, I have the, the lock-on lock system. Right. Uh, all the things you're locking on to and sort of strafing around are all, like, at your eye level. Mm -hmm. But the fact that they included a lock-on system in this game by holding down L1, and it makes it entirely useless because the thing you're locking on to is way, way, way far really... above eye level. 
it's, I mean, it's, it's frankly not even like a button that has like a mechanical function. Yeah, as it, as does, it has I'm, one significant mechanical function in my opinion. Unless you're like really far away or something. If you're aiming the bow, if you just pull out the bow no matter where you're looking and then hit L1, you will just look over at the monster and oh. put the reticle like dead center on it. Yeah, That's how the that. lizard boss with the acid that I apparently keep calling a scorpion for some reason. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, that's how, like, I I wouldn't have... It would have taken me, like, way longer to beat that guy if I didn't use that one uh, to, like, find him. Another secret, like, mechanical combination this game has. Yeah. There's all kinds of crazy shit. Like, yeah, it took... I was, like, halfway through the game before I realized you had control of the camera and the cutscenes. Oh, yep. yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's, that's a nice, like, touch. But I love that, like, you can hold the grab button during the cutscenes... To not fall off the colossi as they die, so you can like ride them to the ground. <laughs> uh, not that there's really any mechanical reason to do it; it's just kind of entertaining. You can't argue that the re- that including camera controls in the cutscenes is designed to like keep things pretty in the same way that like the L one button was designed to keep things pretty. Right. It's actually kind of baffling why they allowed you to control the camera in the cut. It's such like a... You can zoom it in, too. Yeah. yeah. It, for such like a heavily... I want to say directed, but like... We were just talking about how fluid the controls in, so that se- controls are, so that seems counterintuitive. Yeah. But like, it's a linear game yeah. set in an open world, and it, it, wants you to, it wants to direct you from like one thing to the next... And the music and the visuals do a great job of, like, like instilling an emotional tone to the game. So it seems weird that they would, like, during their, like, pre... Not pre-rendered, but in-engine cutscenes, like, their scripted scenes, they let you just be like, look at that mountain over there. Yeah, <laughs> let's pan the camera over here. Yeah, <laughs> it seems really unusual. It's just... A, I think uh, they're... Specifically with the cutscenes, trying to like follow in the footsteps of the original Half-Life there, and it, just for the sake of it, trying to give you some sort of like physical input, no matter what's happening in the whole game, because right. it's a, you know game, not a movie. Need to always have a reason to do things that aren't movie-ish, which I don't generally agree with, but it's a philosophy that, in a less extreme form, a lot of people ascribe to. Mm-hmm. Uh, and B, I think the game as a whole uh, is very good about attempting. To sort of nudge you into things without putting up like straight walls and forcing you into things. Right. And I think that's another great example. If you ever, it's not like you change the, it's not like a regular camera where you can just like force it to go down to the left and it'll just stay there. Like all other camera controls in the game, it will slowly sort of fold back in the, to the normal viewpoint. Um, and as other examples of the game being sort of just nudgy but not really forcey, the entire overworld. I mean, it's very linear. There is one place you have to go each time after you kill a Colossus in order to kill the next one and keep progressing the story. But they didn't put walls anywhere to like force you to go there or to try and make it easier. You could explore in this like desolate wasteland with nothing but lizards and snakes and brush as much as you feel you need to. Right. Uh, but you can do what I do and and fall and die at a waterfall seventeen consecutive times in a row. <laughs> Like an idiot before proceeding to the next Colossus, uh, it, yeah, it is. It's very, I guess, free for a game that has like a very set linear, like path to it. Yeah. 
If you knew where all the Colossi were, if you were playing it like a second time, you couldn't fight them out of order? Nope. No. I tried that. Mm. What happened? Nothing. Yeah. yeah, you just like enter the are, area. Are they like, is the Colossus there? I actually forget. I think... There's no way. If it was there, you would be able to fight it. But some of them... They all have, like, sleeping animations, don't they? No. Not... The I ones think that, all of them do. Uh, most of them aren't even visible from a distance. Like, uh, right. the one... The, uh, the half-tooth-head... The tooth-head tooth boss... Water. Yeah, is underwater, and as I knew he was there, when I approached him, I was trying to, like, locate where he was as I was approaching the area, and he's basically impossible to see. The notable ones that are visible, like, the moment you enter their areas are the bird. Yeah. But I think it flies in at the beginning. So that one wouldn't be visible. And um, the, like, eel. What about the horse? Oh. I don't know. It's just kind of sitting there. That's such a a weird area to get to, though. That's one of... That was one of the ones that I had a difficult time, like, actually, like, pathing to. Weird or not, it's theoretically possible to get find the area, right? Right. And as long as that's the case, then the question's still open. But yeah, the horse was explicitly... The horse didn't jump in for any area. It was just... It had its own little, like, sleeping pad made of stone, which is kind of Yeah, it would probably be there and just asleep. Yep. Yeah. But they did... I I didn't think of this before. You are right. A lot of them just aren't there. The 15th, like, monkey boss... Is just like over a cliff. The fi- oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Monkey. He's clearly a monkey. He's like, I, he's full- clearly a monkey. He has, look at his face. He's got like full hands and he's using tools and. I uh, yeah, I don't get that. He's at got all. like minotaur hooves, but all of them have like hooves or little balls. Or yeah, there like that. a lot of those like towering colossi. I always just associated with being dudes. Like, yeah, me too. Yeah, Colossus one, Colossus three. I feel Colossus like I'm 15, a I monkey like colossi these. would like climb things. That would, do you know how infuriating that would be? <laughs> well, there's I mean, I'm sure they would come up with tiny. a way to make it, like, playable. But, mm-hmm. yeah. This would be an interesting type of game to see, like, a sequel. Like, yeah. to just, like... I mean, they have put themselves in a place where they can't do it. Yeah. Like, it would be impossible from, like, a story perspective. But, like, if you so. just, like, made a standalone, like... Here, twenty new colossi like fight DLC. Them. Yeah, like that would be something I, I would honestly, love to Honestly, I think it could be kind of cool to do a sequel to this game, where like somebody else comes back to the Forbidden Lands. It'd be weird to I think like the bridge is gone. Like they have right. to like climb down in. Oh right, it'll be like Sim City. You have to build. The yeah, bridge you have to build the new bridge. to get to the temple. <laughs> That's the game. <laughs> I don't know. I think it'd be really I mean, hard it, for me. Yeah, it would be. It could be cool. I mean, right. it probably wouldn't be if it was actually made. Yeah, more or less. I was just saying it would be an interesting game to get more colossi to fight. Yeah, that I agree with your like DLC or something like that. Right. Nothing that's designed to be like a full game or designed to interact with like the mechanics or specific challenges or something. But it'd be hard for them to take like one of the most beloved games ever and trying to be like, oh. We're making a sequel, even though a lot of what you liked about the previous game was its, like, solemn tone and artistic nature. I mean, I mean, oh, yeah. Can you imagine, like, if this game came out... Like, okay, say the PS3 release was, like, the release of the game, like, yeah. the very first one. Yeah. And then they were like, uh, new Shadow of the Colossus Origins DLC. <laughs> There'd be so many people, like, just furious yeah. about that. Because it is... 
It's a, it would be so difficult to do it in a tasteful way. Yes, it's like yeah, the Louvre too right. coming soon. That's a much <laughs> better example than what I was gonna say, which would be like I really like that funeral was beautiful. I really wish we could have like a follow up funeral. <laughs> Funeral origins, yeah, the like prequel to the funeral. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> the funeral Armageddon. Uh, why is side note? Why is Armageddon the tagline in so many things? Uh, because it's spectacle creep. It is exactly okay. like as far as you can go. The extinction of everything. Does this game have spectacle creep? This game? Yeah. Does this game have spectacle creep? No. The fourteenth Colossus is tiny. But you are just destroying buildings that whole time. I was trying to think of that because there's no explicit narrative reason in the game. Any of the colossi had to be in a specific order, except for the like the last one. Right. Right. It's all just they put them in order. Well, the first wanted. one because it's it teaches you so much so right. well. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, okay, agreed. It's first and like... last. The rest is just attempting to introduce you to concepts in whatever order they chose to have you introduce them. Be right. introduced to right. them. It's like, I don't know, it's just like a certain, like, giving it, like, a certain flow, I guess. Mm. I just have no idea, like, what the flow is or why they picked it with certain things in mind. I don't think that... Okay, I don't believe that the game was designed to have a traditional difficulty curve, nor do I necessarily think it would have benefited from it, Mm -hmm. because the difficulty curve comes a lot in your becoming more like in tune with the controls because the controls in the game like wander can't go down a steep stair without like tripping like an idiot and that's like an incredibly important function of the game is how physics driven the platforming is and so the idea of like having like a quote harder boss just comes down to like the complexity of the puzzle really yeah because if you're good at the platforming it's most of them just once you figure out how to like render them weak you can then just it's just about jumping and climbing and figuring it out because yeah. you said previously that, that the controls were a lot of what made the diff, a lot of the substitute for the difficulty curve but i mean you need you still need challenge ramp for a difficulty curve to exist otherwise the difficulty curve would not go you know bottom left to top right it would right. go the opposite of that I... The game actually benefits from having a, like, personal difficulty curve. Like, it comes down to how well you are capable of handling the game. Mm-hmm. Uh, be, and what benefits it is the fact that the game is short. Like, it's roughly... I mean, I was playing it a second time, and it, it took me about nine hours to yeah, get through. Yeah, I think we each took nine hours. Yeah, it's like roughly... It's, it's around... Like... I think if you were marketing it, you would say it's like roughly a 10-hour game. Yeah. Something like that. Agreed, yeah. My, uh, my first playthrough was around that, and the second one that I sort of pounded out yesterday, start to finish, was like six, six to seven hours. Yeah. Including all the ending cutscene stuff. So, like, even if you, like, master the game, quote-unquote, like, there's still content. Like, you can, like, run through it and, like, I don't know. The, the game has the same effect on you whether you're good at it or not. Yeah. And that's sort of, a lot of puzzle platformers have that, right? Mm. In that same... I've I've played like 27 hours of Super Meat Boy, (laughs) where it's like, once it, like, getting the hang of the controls is simple. 
but then like the satisfaction comes from executing it in a way. Yeah. It's very different, obviously, mechanically right. from Shadow, but like it's the same sort of like playing the level gives you the satisfaction, not like being co- overcoming like the challenge of the of the or like the story. Right. The, the physics driven systems do sort of create a whole lot of new challenges and like minor diversity that wouldn't exist otherwise because in something like super meat boy as a game that in, in a lot of senses relies on sort of precision perfect movement and being able to predict what's going to happen when you go different places exactly yeah so like get to the all pixel these hard challenges. Yeah. yeah like if i slide down for a quarter of a second too long it's immediate death that yeah. kind of a thing but everything is really forgiving yeah it's it's so Everything's so sort of like meaty and sloshy and with with different types of weight to it that you can never be like 100% certain of what's going to happen when you like jump off and try and get your new grip because you just may have had a little bit more momentum to one side or... Right. There's there's a whole lot of diversity in the kind of challenges you have to deal with physically with the controls as you're scaling objects. Yeah, that's where mechanically I think the physics-based platforming and like your grip, like the grip mechanic really like shine is that you can sort of suss that kind of thing out but it also it always feels like a struggle like it never looks like wonder is just like oh, oh yeah i'm killing this giant closet yeah that's one of my favorite touches about the game is yeah. it's just like wander is like a normal guy mm. he's like running up a steep like cliff and he's like you know like, like stumbling a little stumbling bit a little. and then like when he like he looks like he isn't trained and using a sword when he swings it and like all those kinds of things right yeah. it's like everything's always a struggle for him because that's the way it would be for a normal person they yeah. do give you the standard video game health buffer where you can live through ridiculous things but I, but that i think that was a necessary compromise at least for people's first playthroughs so that they wouldn't have to, because a lot of, everything in the game takes so much time. Yeah, they, they make it they make it seem like a struggle often by everything just being slow and methodical and just. Uh, yeah. uh. So the penalty for death ends up being disproportionately higher here than it would be in a lot of other games because you have to keep going through so much content that itself, because of the physics based platforming, might just have some sort of random failure. It, it, it had to cut a lot of frustration by giving you a very padded health bar. Yeah, I mean, I disagree a little bit that the game made, like, a concession to, like, newer players by giving you that, like, unusual superhuman endurance. Uh, because, like, I feel like the game just wasn't designed to be a difficult game. I think it was a game that they wanted people to finish. Yes. Like, it was a game that very much, like, it... It hit plot points in very, like, rigid, segmented ways. It gives the player lots of exit points because it warps you back to the middle of the map and lets you save after each Colossus. So, theoretically, you could just play, like, one Colossus a day and it would take you, like, probably an hour or less. In fact, almost definitely less. Yeah. And you can just pick it up, put it down, and... Or run through it all at once, and I think that it's it's a game that a lot of people could enjoy, and a lot of people could sit down and beat, like regardless of experience level. I just don't think that it's something that's designed to be like difficult. I completely agree with you on that. It's it's very uh, it's a great example of a kind of game. People often discuss how much they like 
games need a challenge and how if you, if in the absence of challenge it will just seem like going through the motions and like you've solved the puzzle but just can't get through to the end to really show you solved the puzzle but playing shadow of the colossus really did not give me that sense first or second playthrough but on the second playthrough with a couple of like exceptions and little memory quirks i did know everything that i had to do right it was just executing on that was the execution because it wasn't the same every single time often again because of the physics created enough diversity that it didn't feel like like straight repetition to me which of course i eventually found frustrating because <laughs> <laughs> once you get to a point when like you've quote unquote solved the puzzle and like figured out how to beat the colossus the like oftentimes arduous task of just holding r1 to hold on until it stops shaking enough that you can get off another stab mm -hmm. became like like boring to me i thought the lions were pretty egregious for that and they are lions you piece of garbage they're not i mean but what do you think like, they were the, the two tiny ones i accepted uh, that the one the, that you put the fire and the right i know what you're talking yeah, about that like, one i accepted is a big cat of some kind like a lion yeah eventually but i don't think that the one that runs into the pillars is a lion they both, at all they, it's like a literal a lion does not run into things that is <laughs> not its like primary thing or something yeah like a ram or like a rhino it looks like a bulldog to me but like that's just the jowls yeah <laughs> oh you never stop to look at the jowls yeah. again the little toothhead has jowls as well and he's clearly uh sea <laughs> man An <laughs> a weird turtle person with the top half of his head missing no it's just swapped his jaw is on the top of his head. Right, but if his jaw was on the top of his that's head, why he has the, top jaw. that's why he has like the big uh, like like square thing on the bottom of his head. It's to cover his top teeth <laughs> and keep his tongue in place oh. <laughs> because they remove. He's like a underbite. Baron uh, Underbite okay. from the Venture Brothers, but also with horns that fire lasers. <laughs> right, and yeah, with laser horns. Yeah. That would just make the show better, really. The classic. Yeah, laser the horns. classic laser horns. That's actually kind of weird. That they have laser horns. They, yeah, well, that they're like able to shoot lasers. They're, yeah, they're like three maybe colossi that have like the turtle, the, t the turtle tooth head, and tooth. the final. Yeah, can all shoot like weird electric balls. I I wrapped it up with more of the like all of the mysticism and magic in this game has yeah. to do with light. I don't know, they sizzle like they're lightning. They Maybe I'm just, like, so obsessed with it I being mean, a video game that I'm like, lightning. of course they shoot lightning bombs. <laughs> <laughs> it makes perfect sense. Why wouldn't it be? Lightning? Light? Light? Lightning? Yeah. I guess. Alright, that's fair. Yeah, but... I don't know. Dorman is associated with light. The... Well, I guess they... How does the pillar, th the the well bit at the end work? Because you're covered in like darkness. Yeah, the well literally when they, when they drop the sword in, it's just a giant, pillar of light. Not a pillar, oh. but like the whole thing, like light shoots out in the circle uh -huh. that was just like the black end of the well there, and then beams of light come out and begin like wind and dragging you down into the giant light in the ground. <laughs> it's all light. 
everything that that's mystical in this game is somehow light related. Okay. All right. So maybe they're shooting balls of light, but uh, I don't know. It's weird they have projectiles at all to me. It just seems like a lot of them are just like stompy or have like a weapon of some kind. Yeah. Well, the ones that do are the ones that are stationary or lumbering and slow. Right. Turtles. Yep. Uh, guys submerged in water. Buildings. And one that is a building. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, that was... That was an interesting boss. That last guy. Yeah. Can we dig into the, some of the like, weird contrivance things we were talking about before with that boss? I don't know if that much might be boring uh, in general. But about I found the post-apocalyptic bricklayer yeah. who built all of the bunkers around the final boss. <laughs> right? Yeah. This game does sort of have like... It's a game where it has contrivances that a lot like that I think are supposed to be played off as like an ancient civilization because like the lizard boss basically takes place in a coliseum. Yeah. yeah. Like one that's been built and is mostly still intact. Right. But uh, like there are things that seem like they wouldn't exist if the Colossus wasn't there first. Like yeah. the ones on Malice. Which, Which one's the, Malice? He's the final boss. Oh, okay. I, th- I think that's a fan... I don't know if it's a fan name. Like I said... I keep ha- hearing it referred to as Malice, and they, I don't know where it came from. They all have names. I don't know... All the Colossi? All the Colossi have huh. names. I, th- I think it's from some other third-party non-game source. Okay. I've, every time you, like, Google it, it's on, like, a Wikipedia thing. It's all... They all have specific terms. Dorman is explicitly stated. Yeah. And technically the Japanese name for the game was Wonder and the Colossus, so... Yeah. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. So, Wonder is basically canon. But, but regardless yeah. of, about, the, about the weird contrivance stuff, I find it interesting that I played through the game twice, and until that moment during the final boss, I never even thought about sort of the weirdness of a lot of these little items. and I, It all just seemed to fit so well into the consistent theme for me that I never, ever questioned them. That's very weird. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, yeah, like they're clearly like they even have the little slot, like those walls where you could like shoot. Put a machine them. gun through it. Yeah, <laughs> or a crossbow. Or oh yeah, I guess. Yep. Probably not like <laughs> machine, machine gun. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, yeah, it works. I think it works so well with like a gameplay like mechanic as well, like going through the bunkers to get around to him. Right. That you, also you wouldn't think about it the first time. You're like, oh, this is neat. Yeah, it's actually <laughs> it's really cool. Uh, it's really cool. What it's, a gr- it's real cool. What a great <laughs> observation. Uh, <laughs> it's interesting that they have that they waited until the last boss to experiment with like someone who is pr- like mostly just stationary. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because it's like so different. Like, and they do a relatively good job of making everything feel like a completely separate fight. Yeah. The only like argument that I would make is that like. Some of the, like, early and middling bosses have a sort of, like, the same, like, hit a grounded weak spot, climb the Colossus, hit the head weak spot, and then the end. But that's mostly the first boss, the second boss, which is intended to teach you to use the bow. Yeah. And, uh, maybe some other guy? There's, yeah, when I put the horse, sort of, but there's a puzzle there. When I played through the game a second time, I realized that there were actually more of the Colossi that were just straight forgettable than I remembered. Uh, specifically, the bearded guy. 
I forgot existed. Uh, I like that one actually. I, I like, like the, the design. I like, yeah, I like like getting into that temple. Mm-hmm. But the, that's cool. The fight is definitely pretty forgettable. Yeah. yeah, the fight is just you running over walls, which he destroys as he walks through them, and then you run into cover. He looks down, and you're like, oh, maybe I should grab onto that giant patch of hair that's now hanging out <laughs> yeah. the ground. Yeah, it's like this game where, because he's pretty late. He's like seven or eight. I don't remember. He's, I think he's kind of like right in the middle. Which right. is seven or eight. Seven or eight. <laughs> I know that he's in the first 11. Because, yeah. The, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, he, yeah, he's like, yeah, around the middle of the game. And it's the whole game. You, like, are basically trained that when somebody has, like, fur or hair, that that is a legitimate spot to grab. And then it's like... He just like dangles it in front of you. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, but I mean, like I think like the the challenge of that boss is just tr- like finding that cover and right. like finding out how to get onto him. But, but I mean, that's just hard. at the far wall. Like, I mean, yeah, it, it, that accidentally. It, so it took me like a little while. Yeah, to and it you out. basically told me I was an idiot because it took me like more than one minute to figure I it out. Guess. Yeah. I was like it's trying to like thing, climb a thing. It's one of those things that's really <laughs> obvious in hindsight. But like the first time it takes you a little bit to figure it out. Right. With puzzle platformers in general, the difficulty curves are so based on like insight and not like active analysis. Mm-hmm. But see I like I would never want to have to like design puzzle platformer challenges because it seems like they often rely on just one little itty bitty detail that someone might just have not noticed at some point. Right. being the thing you need to complete it and without that detail you cannot make any progress at all and it just becomes a frustrating repetitive experience and then this team set out to make a puzzle platformer where every level was a moving living being yeah to just go ahead and compound that problem but there are very few that have like unintuitive solutions i guess I there, but there are a few, and I guess that's fairly significant in a game that effectively has sixteen levels. Yeah, like if I, to every game has to have some problems. <laughs> I you you mentioned earlier that you were surprised that there was never a fully stationary boss until the last one. Right. I think it makes perfect sense that the last boss is entirely stationary in that game because it fits a when you're making if you made a colossi that never moved. It would be, unless you made it have some kind of really powerful interaction with you from a distance, it seems difficult to be able to make it, like, imposing in the same way that the others were imposing, mm-hmm. that these mm-hmm. huge slumbering forces that could kill you. I mean, they solved it with the last boss by just, like, essentially sh- giving it a finger death ray right. that it could fire from a distance. But, like, if you didn't do that, you'd be hard... Can you imagine, like, a, a stationary colossi without a finger death ray? Right. How would you make it would that be engaging? incredibly easy. Yeah, it would yeah. be. It'd be a level. It would be you climb yeah. up a building. Right. Well, I mean, that's the thing. The last boss ends up being a like terrain exploration game, where you have to like use the like platforming and like pathing skills that you learn by going through the overworld mm-hmm. to actually approach the boss before actually doing the thing. I feel like the game could have used a little bit more of that kind of a thing. Right. I, I don't know if I was kind of switching gears too abruptly here. That's like, probably fine. I don't yeah, think we had much I feel like, like the platforming <laughs> could have been like implemented a little bit more in the game in like some other way. Yeah. Oh, of course, mentioned... Andy wants more platforming. Yeah, I just like, platform. the mechanics are so <laughs> great that like I feel like, I, like if there were more places to use them, I yeah. think... Like we were talking about before, I would gladly play 
a platformer with these same mechanics. Like, say there was, like, another collectible in the overworld, like, uh, like the, the fruits or the, the lizards that you had to, like, use the, crabs. The, the platforming to get to. Like, you had to, like, find some kind of, like, a ruined pillar and climb up it to get X thing. Well, I mean, right. the game is so subtle about all of its collectibles that, we, that exist. Do we not... Do we know if that's even not the case? I... It could be enhanced. <laughs> yeah, I mean, technically, ones technically you could scale that whole tower and get the poison fruit that hinders you. <laughs> yeah, the scalable tower is probably... But that's... What Andy's talking about is he wanted it to be, like, consistently applied, and that's just, like, the big final challenge that right. you hear about on the internet. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Because no one would ever actually... It's a little bit more consistently. I mean, like, yeah. not every single Colossi or anything. Mm-hmm. It's just, I don't know. I just... I, I was too constant. I was mm-hmm. worried that it would never... It would never set apart the Colossi fights. Right, exactly. it would just become a continuous thing yeah. of platforming instead of moving and, like, exploring through a space and then platforming back and forth to each other. Yeah. The way that this game sort of succeeds in that uh like kind of gameplay balance uh in my opinion at least is that i always felt like i was describing before that like sometimes when you get to the end of a colossus fight you feel like you just want it to be over but like because of the way that the game presents the struggle to you every time that you fell a colossus feels at least momentarily like you're like yeah, like I fucked him up. Yeah, even though like that's probably not what they're going for, but actually that's I think we're gonna break and then talk about that. But yeah, so you beat the thing and then you're like, oh man, and then you go and you do the overworld thing, and it's a very like, it's so the opposite of the fights themselves that it ends up being like a very kind of comfortable break, and then by the time you're like sick of riding around in the overworld and collecting lizard tails you're like ah, i just want to do something else and then you ride in and you fight another colossus and it's weird because it doesn't have like a gradual curve it's just like on and off yeah it's like binary and it works insanely well for this game horizontal exploration vertical exploration horizontal right vertical, yeah horizontal, vertical unless you're fighting one of the tiny bullshit colossus you still climb up. well the, nah, the lion, the, the the flame lion fight. You climb a pyroar, like, like pyroar. <laughs> yes, yeah. You <laughs> climb up one little cube, and that's it. But if with the one that knocks stuff down, you're still climbing up these big towers that he has to knock. Yeah, you see, off. that's another. That one is one of my favorites. Yeah, it feels like a linear platform. You have to platform through the area to defeat him. Yeah, and which is cool. Like I feel like. Maybe, like, one or two others implemented something like that. Yeah, when I was playing that one, I was like, I really like that I feel like I'm making progress in this. Yeah, I got applying what I've learned. Right, and, like, you get hit, like, you hit, it hits the the pillar, and it, like, falls down, and then you proceed to another area, and then you do it, and then you, like, go and do it on that one. And it it feels like you're actually going through a level, and then at the end, you just stab him to death. (laughs) But... It's a nice change of pace. It's also my least favorite thing in the world yeah. because I got uh, hit by it one a time, and then the incredibly long wake up. Oh yeah, that is really annoying. Yeah, like from being downed, like sets him up like apparently the ideal time to just wreck you again, 
And I got hit into a wall, which basically meant I was trapped. And I could literally could not do anything. And the game just hit me over and over. And I was just watching my health slowly go down. And then when I died, to my great dismay... You woke up at the... Temple. At the beginning of the platforming section. Uh. And I was like, son of a bitch. And then I was like, just hated it. I was like, this is the worst thing in the world. The iteration time is so slow. And it's not like that on any other Colossus. Like, if you die in another Colossus, you know what you're doing. You can basically get right back into it. Right. But with that one, like, because it has such, like, a rigid pathing system, right? it takes so long to, like, go through it again. It was just, like, immensely frustrating for me. I'm sorry, Chad. Yeah. yeah. Why you gotta get so frustrated? I, I get frustrated kind of easily, and uh, I guess it's my fault, but I don't know. It just seems like they could have either made the wake-up time shorter or made the one with the long platforming section not have a I hit think, lock. I think there's <laughs> It just like, kills you immediately. There's a thing where, if, like, if you, like, mash the dodge while you're trying to get back up, you can avoid him. Oh, no. It I, would be a thing this, if that could happen because this, I was rolling the controller around in my palm uh, like a stress ball while it was happening. Because like, that happened to me and I was able to get away from him. It's... That is, I think... Like, the idea that we are not, that you speculated that, oh, if I just press the button enough times, maybe it will create, like, a difference in what's happening. It's, I think, also a symptom of how weirdly mechanical the whole game is, as we discussed about before, with all sorts of, like, secret stuff that we don't know about. Because uh, it, it, there's a lot of circumstances in which it's unclear to me, whether, in the game, whether you have, like, active interaction with something or not. Probably the, the most consistent example would be, like, when you're gripping and the Colossus is, like, thrashing about. Right. Like, I don't know if, like, the reason I'm falling is because of something I'm doing or whether it's just, like, programmed in to do that whenever a thrash is happening. Right. Like, is there... I don't know if there's, like, an optimal way to stab things or, like, if you try and stab when it's thrashing around, you get stunned more or something right. or like that. if you, like, try and move while it's moving. Yeah. I think it drains your stamina more if you try to move while it's moving. I will... Whether that's true or not, the point is is that it's unclear. And yeah, right. a lot of room. Because you said that like right as I started my playthrough, and yeah. to the end of the game, I don't know if that's true. I, like a baseball fan, superstitiously took my hand off the left stick when the Colossus was thrashing, yeah. because I felt like it was helping. But I don't know. Yeah, you know, that's actually kind of a. It almost seems like it was built into the game to make you feel unsure. Is it a good thing? I think anything that makes this game feel more miserable for Wonder is a good thing. <laughs> yeah, I, I think anything that's like like that adds to the mystery, I would mm. say, is also a good thing. Yep. Okay. Then yeah, I'm glad on both fronts. Then one thing, speaking about wishing Wanderer was more miserable uh, on replaying it a second time, uh, you, Andy, did not notice. Like, the whole time, all the physical degradation that was going on? I noticed that his, like, clothes were dirtier. Right. But, like, I didn't really think anything of it. <laughs> to be fair, there are very few times when you get, like, actual close-ups on Wonder. True. But what I was Unless trying to Unless you get... are desperately holding the L1 button trying to get a good look at the clothes. <laughs> the thing I was trying to go into is that I actually wish they would have done more in that regard in terms of the degradation more than just physical things. I understand that the reason for it was probably development time and cost but like well, if they did something like they spec do... ops the line where his like voice changed right. or like his animations began to show like minor like deteriorations and differences i think they further. specifically didn't want you to notice the first time you played through why 
Like, I think it's one of those things that's po- you're supposed to, like, it's one of those, like, obvious in, in retrospect. retrospect things. Like, I think it's supposed to be, like, a, like, not like a twist, but, like, a surprise at the end when he, like... Has the horns? Yeah, when he's, like, when he comes back oh, the no, final the time and he's, like... Oh, he does have horns. Like, vein-faced yep. and has <laughs> yeah. the horns. And, like, you play it again, you're like, oh... He's been doing it the like, whole time. I think it's one of those things, it's for repeat playthroughs i agree that it's supposed to be subtle but i'm worried that if their actual intent was for you not to know at all well the last ending sequence which is just sort of like a a dropped bomb that you never expected or had a lot of information for uh, the discovery curve at least for me was that like because it happens consistently at triggers at 4 8 12 and 16 uh when your like model changes Mm -hmm. and the first time it changed i don't exactly know when I noticed it, but I was probably just, like, fighting a colossus and the camera was, like, all up in my grill, and somehow, like, I, like, was like, I, like, I didn't feel like this is what the character looked like, but you're also kind of unfamiliar with the character from the beginning, Mm -hmm. and so I was like, well, maybe I just, like, was misremembering, and then, like, the second one is more extreme, and I'm like, did they, like tatter the clothes a bit and yeah, then by I the end it's like you're a monster yes yeah, so i didn't <laughs> notice the, the changes to like his skin like right. i only noticed that his clothes were dirtier yeah it could, and i think like that was killer. like it just seemed like something that like they would put in the game like oh he's been like running around rolling in the dirt <laughs> his clothes are dirtier now yeah there's showers in the forbidden land yeah I, forbidden zen. I think i disagree whatever. that they didn't take a whole lot of effort to try and like that that you didn't know a lot about Wander from the very beginning. Right. And not just because of the, like, sort of medium-distance opening cutscene sequences. I also noticed that when I restarted the game, the first time you get control, uh, Wanderer is standing over Momo in uh, her little... <laughs> I think it's Mono. Like, actually, I think oh, it's Mono. okay. That's why I thought Momo earlier. <laughs> <laughs> it's... You're standing over her on her weird little altar thing, but you're, like, right beside her, so the camera zoomed in as far as possible, and your back's to the camera, as always. Right. But if you do the natural thing, because the altar's in front of you, there's, like, no forward progression. Right. When you turn around and start to walk away, the first thing you see, like, in the entire game, other than the cutscenes during that sequence, is Wanderer's Wanderer's face face from, like, here up, in, like, perfect, in, like, the most detail you could ever get it anywhere in the whole game. I suppose. Uh... Or you could do what I did and run back and forth like a jackass as the very first thing that you do to laugh at the walking animation. <laughs> so that, I guess. More of a fun fact thing. Were the animations in this game uh, motion capture or were they like Icro? Icro. Icro. Uh, more, were they like Ico just like actually designed by the team itself? I have... No. I don't know either. Okay, because the the animations in Ico were very distinctive, uh, and like sort of like vaguely inhuman because they were just like actual polygon motions. There wasn't there was no mocap involved. Well, you could go, you could take a time machine back to two thousand five and see if you can find a very bruised uh, Japanese motion mocap actor. No, <laughs> <laughs> whether or not that guy was uh, played Wonder, because most of the animations in this game. Are Wander falling oh, yeah. over, yeah. <laughs> tripping, like, yeah, it's clumsily swinging a sword, falling <laughs> off of a horse, uh, being shot with like a heavy object from a distance. I think in two thousand five, mocap was just barely entering like prominence. Mm. Uh, 
We can look this up and come back to it after the break. Yeah. Uh, or you listeners can look it up right now and feel superior to us because you know something that we don't. Or we can propose it as a trivia question. <laughs> when we get back from the break, we'll tell you whether or not the animation in this game was mo-capped or uh, pre-rendered. Enter your like guesses you now. Animated yeah. is the word you like. Yeah, that one. <laughs> <laughs> Let's take that break. All right, and we're back. Good. Yeah. So, do we have the answer to our official no clip trivia question number one? Is presented ne- to you by Taco Bell. <laughs> 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 the uh, answer to our trivia question before the break. Which, as a reminder, was whether or not Shadow of the Colossus used mocap animation or not. <laughs> is not. <laughs> so if you had not, please uh, send an email to uh, no podcast at gmail.com. And uh, we will say not, good job yeah, in response. We will literally just type that out yep. and then send it back to you. There'll be an exclamation point. It'll be great. It might. Anyway... Uh, you had a question. Oh, yeah. One thing I find like the most interesting and why the game stays on my mind the most is from the minimalism and the storytelling. And uh, I've been wanting to ask JJ since I finished the game, but we decided we'd save it for this. All right. Is what do you think uh, is the relationship between the Wanderer and uh, Mana? Oh, oof. Um... Because that is difficult. Because there's no... At no point is the game ever explicitly romantic. Right. Uh, I mean... He, you know absolutely nothing about their relationship. Nothing at all. He, you, he carries her in the sort of, like, wrapped sack thing. Uh, like you, like you would a lover. I think it's a blanket. A lover sack. You know. <laughs> <laughs> the sack of the lover. <laughs> That's my favorite tarot card. <laughs> the lover's sack. <laughs> I mean, he, he carries her in a way you would... I mean, it, it's caring. It, like, when he walks in on the horse, he's sort of like supporting her back with one arm and the reins with the other. Right. Um, but once he's like sat down, pretty much all that happens, he just sort of like looks longingly that way and sort of reaches out with his hand. I, I think if I, have, I was... If gun to my head, uh, I had to make a choice despite the lack of evidence... <laughs> I would pick romantic, considering the kind of dedication he shows and like the whole ending of the game. I feel like even without the explicit implications, which don't exist, right. so <laughs> you cannot have them. Uh, I think that most people would assume romantic yeah. and yeah, not I even did, question that's it. That's the yeah. first thought that I had. But I mean, it could just as easily be his sister. But he. This is a you story mean, you would probably a go man. to great lengths to like save your sister's life too. But it's literally a trope. It, it, this is a man going to the literal end of the earth. It's explicitly said that it's like True. at the end of the earth, right? To go save this woman who is a woman completely clad in like a white dress, <laughs> sitting there. Yeah. The only thing that gives me any possibility at all are the baby interactions in the end. Although I suppose she has no way of knowing that the baby is a wanderer right. in that context. Right. But yeah, it's... I mean... The way he reaches the handout, the meaning of the whole very last sequence where you're just trying to get to her and are instead being pulled to your 
presumed death, instead reincarnation. No clip tested, you can't get there. <laughs> oh yeah, which is, I found out uh, you can, if, in case you ever want to completely ruin the tone of the ending in the privacy of your own home, uh, if you do the like double jump animation the second that you stand up again you do this strange little like a bunny hop where your arms go off like you're flapping like a bird and you can hop forward multiple times as far forward as possible but there's like a a hard wall uh in front of where the very first like colossus statue is where when you reach it uh the wind just knocks you backward and does the roll no matter what you do even if it's in the middle of a jump so you unfortunately no matter what happens you cannot get out of the wind sequence and escape to your life as i thought i might actually be able to do it was a very sad moment yeah but like he could even be like responsible for her death or something yeah you feel real guilty about it 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 says she was shac- sacrificed because she had a cursed fate yeah but I mean, like, he could have turned her in or something like he could be know. responsible for her death and feel guilty about it or yeah. something i personally don't think that the... I feel like an interpretation like that is more interesting, right. personally, but, I mean, what were you going to say? But, I mean, it is up to interpretation, though. That's the thing. I mean, like, certainly. Right. The important well, part what of I'm saying is that I don't think that it affects the, like, it affects the, the lore, like, the backstory of the game, mm-hmm. but it doesn't affect the story proper. And no. I think that's a good choice, because it allows them to get away with not having to give like precious screen time to like developing that relationship yeah, team Micah was very stringent about the amount of screen time they give to anything right it was it actually came out i think just except crossing bridges <laughs> 80 80 <laughs> percent of cutscenes in this They're game are of bridges. someone crossing a bridge <laughs> in the original ico uh it was only recently found out by some data miners that like 70% of the, like, spoken dialogue in the game ended up getting cut and still, like, present on the disc. They are so minimalist in that sense. They, If anything's in the game, they want it to just be absolutely necessary, and beyond that, they're trying to give us room to make our own connections. Yeah, I actually had a memory when I of the game as being completely free of dialogue, and then, like, when they first started talking, I was like, Oh, like, uh, <laughs> I totally misremembered that. Like, I thought that it was entirely visually told story. Um, but I don't necessarily think it would be better or worse. That's just, like, it was such a, like, small part of, like, how the story was told that it was something I was able to even just forget about. While we're doing lore speculations, I think an interesting detail is that uh, after the priest and the priest's guard finally got to the shrine, uh, they walked up found the girl, admittedly were quickly distracted after then by the events of, you know, the Dorman resurrection. Right. They gave no shits about uh, the girl on the altar at all. They left her completely. They yeah. never really interacted with her. Well, I mean, I, I think it's, or I don't know if it's implied, but I assume they were the ones that, like, sacrificed her. They, they do appear to be, considering they accuse and probably correctly accuse Wander of stealing that the sword. ancient sword or whatever they yeah. call it it does appear as though they are like some men of power right yeah or I, at least I just kind of assume they were the ones army. that did the sacrifice which mm-hmm. provides interesting context to the your doorman trying to smash them right scene. yeah mm-hmm. which I think yeah I mean by the end of the game I wanted to smash them 
for trying to stab me through the chest. Succeeding. Succeed. Yeah, I'm sorry. <laughs> Succeeding in stabbing me through the chest. And through the sigil on your chest. Right, on the cloak. Uh, oh man, I never got that. Yeah, there's a sigil on the cloak. Uh, why is there a sigil on the cloak? Oh well, irrelevant. More story speculation. What were you right. saying, Chad? Oh yeah, I was just upset that they tried to kill me, even though I felt like it was a pretty reasonable isolation yeah. of what I was doing. And not only that, Wonder looks like he's in pretty bad shape in the first place. Well, I mean, yeah, I mean, I feel like it was a mercy killing. It was he, mercy I think killing. he actually explicitly says, yeah. like, put him, put him out of his misery. Yeah. So. Whatever. I'm still upset about it. So I wanted to punch him. <laughs> but also, I was not upset I mean, about <laughs> killing the Colossi. And oh, yeah. I feel like the game at least wants you to think about it. Yep. Which I it did. De- it definitely does. Second yeah. playthrough I tested, the first Colossi is hostile to you before you're hostile to it if you really want to press it on that. And most of the time it'll be irrelevant because the player will make the first move anyway. Mm-hmm. But... It's still, it's not, they didn't make the, like, full integrity decision of the Colossi will do nothing to you until you do something to it. Right. It will, in fact, attack you. The, but I think some of them won't make the first move. Like the bird. Yeah. The bird stays perched until you shoot out with the arrow. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I sort of view the Colossi as basically the way that you would view, like, a wild animal. Where they're... Or it's totally okay to just murder. Okay, but I mean, like it's open, <laughs> it's openly hostile to you because you invaded its territory. Like you walk in, it sees you, it perceives you as a threat. I mean, you're holding a sword. Most of them have weapons, so they have yeah. like an idea of what it is. You are in a forbid- in a forbidden land. Yeah, it's something unusual to them, and so like I don't think that they necessarily have like higher cognitive function, really. Mm-hmm. Like yeah. that, they're just sort of instinct-based creatures. Yeah. And, like... Even the humanoid ones. Even, like, the very last boss. Malice was the... Was that the name yeah, of the boss right. one? Yeah. It, I mean, all it really does is... At it times looks at you, you confused. Yes. Yeah. yeah. It looks at itself confused, too. The first time you see the boss, it's just, like, raising its own hands to itself and yeah, just staring and at the hand. Yeah. It's, yeah, it's, it's an unusual sort of, like, viewpoint to take on it. Uh, yeah, like, I mean... Arguably, the bird doesn't make the first move because it wouldn't even notice you because it's like a hundred feet in the air. Right. <laughs> so, yeah. But I mean, yeah, they, they all just kind of seem like animals to me. And I, I feel like it's not that it's like just fine to kill whatever you run across, but I feel like the game gives you enough motivation that I, don't, I didn't really question it. Yeah. I was like, the, like, Wonder would do this and... Then I was on a couch holding a controller going, I bought the game to do this. <laughs> so I'm not going to just not do it. <laughs> but yeah, I, I guess I, that's fair. It's a summary of a lot of motivation in a lot of games, yeah. actually. I mean, you, so you have to... There. That's the disbelief you have to suspend, and that's why I don't like when role-playing games give you uh, like tons of choice over what to do and then like funnel you into a situation that doesn't feel right for your character it's just kind of there's an odd disconnect but when you do kill a colossus and bring it to the ground uh two fairly significant things happen one 
some incredibly not triumphant music plays. Usually some like droning strings and like yeah. <laughs> like contemplative piano strokes and uh, then horrible black tendrils shoot out and burrow their way into your body with a disgusting wet noodles being forced at hurricane speed through a paddle <laughs> sound effect. You have just made me curious how they actually produced that horrible sound effect. <laughs> that horrible, invasive crawl. It's probably just like somebody jamming like their fist into like a bowl of spaghetti. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's spaghetti with potato chips on the bottom to yeah. give it that crunch. And they're just punching it over and over again. <laughs> oh. oh, God. <laughs> Uh, yeah, yeah, we got it. <laughs> All right, uh, but I believe that it's at least supposed to give you some twinge of regret. Yeah, yeah. Upon killing the the colossi. Yeah, I don't think there are plenty of sequences in which the game attempts to make you feel sad for them. Yeah, like you roll in and like you just murder one, and then like you stop and you're like, oh man, like. What did I just do? Right. And I just like ran in here and killed this thing for no reason. The fact right. that they leave graves for the Colossi is another nice graves. The Colossi basically turn to stone and get overrun by like moss immediately. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, you don't know how long you're out. That's actually a great You point. could theoretically be out for like days. Well, the end of the game sort of implies that you're out. Oh yeah, like those seconds guys... and teleported back through like horrifying mystical power. Well, it actually shows you being teleported after you beat Malice. It, it, after you beat Malice, it like, shows you lifting into the air a bit, and then... It cuts. Yeah, and then just, boom, you're there. Right. <sighs> yeah. So, if not teleported, at least, like... Yeah. Magic. Really. Yeah, like, picked up and thrown over. I love that It's a really trope. good radio. <laughs> what? The, the scary instant teleport trope, where, like, you know, someone looks this way and nothing's there. You look out and you're back and there just is something there and it's like an implied teleport. Yeah. That is always really effective on me for some reason. Yeah. But uh, I don't really know what they were trying to... I mean, other than to just establish the tone of the game as being very, I guess, solemn. Mm-hmm. Which, I mean, it does. Yeah. The music works wonders in this game with the... I think the only theme that I can come up with is the sandworm boss. I was specifically listening for this yep. yesterday, otherwise I probably wouldn't be able to like pinpoint specific things. Right. But the, the sandworm boss... Uh, the one on the ground. Yeah, the one where you shoot yeah. him in the eye. Yeah. That guy um, has like a really comparatively unusually urgent theme. They were going for Jaws there. I don't think... I was playing, and I wanted to save it for the cast. I don't think I told you at the time when I was moving through it, but right. instead of going through like the weird... like. Stuff that they do. It was supposed to be like dun dun dun, like there's like a thing chasing you in the ground. You're going right. to run away, but it'll eat you. It's supposed to be scary. So oh, okay, well, if it was, I don't know if it was supposed to elicit fear or like at least give the players some kind of idea of what they were supposed to be doing. Mm-hmm. That's fine, but like it does. It seems so off because yeah. like the rest of the game, there's either no music, there's a very like you're facing down something that's like 14 stories tall. And it's playing like some very low key sort of calm, not somber, com- music. yeah, like unsettlingly quiet music. Yeah. And then there's the you figured out the puzzle, 
Shadow of the Colossus theme. Yeah. That plays whenever you, like, actually mount it. Yeah. Which is just very good. One of the all-time classic themes. All-time classic themes. <laughs> I think the difference specifically in the... Sh- in, uh, I was like, I want to say the shark one. Yeah. Uh, was that it was urgent. They uh, they created urgency in that theme, but not in all the others. Right. Because that's that's the one where there's, like, a thing that's... You're supposed to feel hunted. But I guess. The yeah, the only other one that I felt like I was being, like, actively chased down was the the ram yeah yep. lion horse dog well the other both of them like actively attack you yeah i mean they actively attack you but like that's the one that's like you feel like you just need to be moving yeah yeah so do you have any complex thoughts on it's been stuck in my head for like two months yeah, it's real good. Yeah, it's really catchy. Great job. Yeah. If you wrote the music for Shadow of the Colossus, <laughs> send us an email at uh, nocliffpodcast at gmail.com and we will send you back great job. <laughs> an exclamation point. <laughs> we might even give you two exclamation points. We'll email points. you some stickers. Right. If that happens, <laughs> in reality, it would be maybe the highlight of my life. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so please... Just add some, you know, happiness to our comparatively, I guess, kind of monotonous life. That, or take it as the hugest compliment ever, where we enjoyed your music more than our wedding days. Yeah. We're all married. All of us. To each other. All a lot. Um, anyway. (laughs) (laughs) So that's the music. Uh, no, yeah, I mean, just aesthetically, the game is very well put together. I think we got that point pretty well driven home. Yeah. By now. Um. Did you have another question, Andy? Um, Just you forgot it. I think we covered it all. Oh, okay. Yeah, that sounds about right. Yeah. I mean, it's a game that's definitely worth talking about, but I mean, it's it's not complex, and that's one of its biggest strengths, is that the game's complexity comes from your understanding of it. Final thoughts on this that I don't think we touched on. Do we think the game has like an overall message? Do we think they were trying to make a point with it? Like a more cogent, point? like social point no not even necessarily that just anything the game is a tone but does it have like a message i think there's an intent there but Mm. i think it is largely left up to interpretation though right if you look at the major events that happen it's like wonder sets out to do something he he's given a task he accomplishes it he gets what he wants but there's like a, a price to it it's like an O. Henry or like a, just some, there's, I know there's a name for it, like a... Something like classical myth? Yeah, there, I mean, there's a, there's a story about like a guy, the gift of the Magi. Uh, it's like a yeah, gift of yeah. the Magi type of story where they, like you get what you wanted, but it's not, it basically comes with a price. And the game states that explicitly at the outset. And, yeah, I view it more of, like, as a fable than I do as something that was trying to, like, impress a moral upon you. That's actually a great way to put it, I think. Yep, yeah, that was completely spot on. Great job, Chad. Great job. Your email is incoming. (laughs) (laughs) That's when you just hear the... the (laughs) (laughs) Thank you all, uh, (laughs) sincerely, (laughs) for listening to No Clip this week. Um... Citation incoming on uh, next game. 
robot voice. I'm gonna <laughs> overwrite with a recording I do later. <laughs> uh, it's it's uh, it's gonna be Resident Evil. Very uh, complex robotic explanation. <laughs> um, you can contact us at uh, no clip, as we've said multiple times <laughs> on this podcast. Just in case you weren't sure. Right. No clip podcast at gmail.com, or you can send us a tweet at, at no clip podcast on Twitter, and we also will have a website up at noclippodcast.com. Um, thanks, everybody, for listening. It's been fun. I grow. I grow. I grow. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Yeah, uh, fucking. Uh...